Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 308 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. <sighs> so, what's funny is, sometimes when there's a result that doesn't happen in the way that a lot of people want it to happen. You look for anything to justify why it didn't happen outside of the fact that it just didn't happen. You see, if if you don't win the lottery, you'll say that it was rigged. Or a lot of people say the reason why X didn't happen is because of Y. Instead of the fact that this just didn't happen. You see, there were a lot of factors going into this AFC championship that a lot of people, well, let me say this. There was a lot of factors that went into the outcome of the AFC championship that a lot of people are having a hard time accepting. Let me first say congratulations to the... To the Arizona, I mean, no, to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the AFC Championship and advancing to the Super Bowl. You see, people want to look at moments, right, and think to themselves, "No, that is the reason why X happened, or that is the reason why Y happened." I'm beating around the bush at this point. A lot of people are saying that the refs were the biggest reason why. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs lost. I mean, one. Uh, we know the play at the end, the roughing the passer, uh, that, of course, the homie from Cincinnati, I think it's, o, o, I forgot his name, but homie from the Cincinnati Bengals clearly pushed <laughs> Patrick Mahomes while he was out of bounds, which caused a 15-yard penalty, which then went into kick, you know, a 45-yard kick, a 43-yard kick, and boom. Kansas City Chiefs win the game. People want to look at the refs and look at that moment and say, you see, that's why the Kansas City Chiefs won. Not the fact that Sky Moore damn near, the play before that, damn near ran a 50-yard punt return. Not the fact of the real MVP of the game, in my opinion, Chris Jones had two sacks, two or three sacks on, on Joe Burrow and was... Uh, constantly in Joe Burrow's face. Not the fact of, for some reason, the Cincinnati Bengals knew that Patrick Mahomes was pretty much on one leg the entire time. We know about the high ankle sprain. Yet and still, they were unable to get to Patrick Mahomes. I think they sacked him maybe once or twice. And in that, I mean, their game plan was stop Travis Kelsey at all times. Not let's try to get to the quarterback. Let's make Patrick Mahomes work on that leg. Uh, I mean, hell, or the fact of Marquez Valdez-Scantling had the game of his life. Shouts out to you, Eli Apple. Valdez-Scantling had the game of his life. I think he finished like 116 yards or something. 119 yards. You see, going into the AFC Championship, I thought that that was going to be the best game. I thought that you had two high-powered offenses, two defenses that were playing at the right time, and I, I, the reason why I picked since or I picked the Bing, oh, the reason why I picked Kansas City Chiefs is because you, you have to, you have to slay the dragon before you can advance. And while they did it a year before, you I mean, we know who Patrick Mahomes is. We know who the Kansas City Chiefs are. You see, Cincinnati did a lot of talking going into the going into the game. Rightfully so. I understand you're at an all-time high. This is exactly what happened last year. You just beat the team that a lot of people thought were Super Bowl and or Super Bowl bound, which was this uh Buffalo Bills. You have Joe Burrow, who kind of has emerged as the second best 
quarterback in the league. I get it. But you see how, and I'm not saying that this is the reason why they won, of course, but you see how eerily quiet the Cincinnati or the Kansas City Chiefs were majority of this of the week before. I mean, you heard the mayor of Cincinnati say something. Again, you're talking to a team that was hosting, that has hosted the AFC Championship for five straight years. Man, shouts out to shouts out to uh, Patrick Mahomes, man. Think about this: on one leg, Patrick Mahomes went twenty nine for forty three, three hundred and twenty six yards and two touchdowns. And this is when the running game gave them absolutely nothing. Isaiah Prosecco uh, had. 10 carries for 26 yards. Patrick Mahomes had eight, eight yards. McCole Harmon, seven yards. Jarek McKinnon had one yard. Meaning most of this was, yo, we, we getting the ball out. Travis Kelsey had 78 yards and touchdown. Valdez Scantling, six receptions for 116 yards. You have to put some respect on Patrick Mahomes' name. That's a bad man right there. Stephen A. Smith said about that is a bad man right there. The Kansas City Chiefs, while yes, Patrick Mahomes was, you know, he he was doing what he what he did. This to me, the MVP of the game was Chris Jones. While yes, he only had two sacks, which by the way was his first two sacks of his career in the postseason. The game plan, the defense was relentless. Frank Clark, uh, Chris Jones, and the rookie. Yo, do you realize that Sneed went out? So there was a rookie playing. There was rookies playing all over the place. At, At one point, three of Patrick Mahomes' top receivers were out, meaning that you had to play rookies. Everyone came to... I think this is more of a Cincinnati win. I mean, no, uh, a Kansas City win than a Cincinnati loss. Because don't get me wrong. Yes, they didn't have their best game. Joe Burrow threw two interceptions. One was horrible. But Jamar Chase was still getting. I mean, Jamar Chase. Give me a second. Jamar Chase went. Let me see. Jamar Chase. Six receptions for 75 yards. T. Higgins, six receptions for 83 yards. Yeah, Tyler Boyd went out. But he still had two receptions for 40 yards. You saw the, you saw one team that... I kind of, It kind of reminds me now, of course, the NBA Finals and the AFC Championship is different. But it kind of reminds me of... Uh, the Golden State Warriors last year. Top to bottom, you can say that the Boston Celtics w- was the better team. And 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 they probably were. J- you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams. Like on paper the they the Golden, I mean the 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 Boston Celtics were you know, was the 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 team the the was the better team but you know what you never sensed from golden state even when they were down what 2-1 you never sensed a a, a a you never sensed panic ever how they blew game 1 you never sensed panic for the Chief, for the chiefs you never sensed panic when uh Joe Burrow and them had to turn or turn the ball over and Cincinnati couldn't capitalize. I mean, no, and the Chiefs couldn't capitalize. Or when Patrick Mahomes just fumbled the ball. Or when T. Higgins caught, had one of the nastiest mosses I've seen in a while on two people. Or when Jamar Chase had one of the nastiest mosses I've seen on two people. You never saw the Chiefs panic. 
And that is that's what happens when you have a superior talent. And don't get me wrong. On paper, the Cincinnati Bengals is a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs, especially the Kansas City Chiefs that we saw on Sunday. I mean, think about it. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, Hayden Hurst, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd when he was playing. You and you have some 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 really talented people on the defense, Hubbard, Ch- uh, Bates. But when you have a player as supremely talented as as Patrick Mahomes. And that's no slight on Joe Burrow. But when you have a player as supremely talented as Patrick Mahomes, i.e. going back to the NBA Finals analogy, when you have a player as supremely talented as Steph Curry, you there is a sense of, we're going to be all right. Even if you lose, we're going to be all right. Now, yes, the Cincinnati Bengals won a year ago. But it took overtime. And it took... You know, what it took. I mean, again, the Chance the Chan City Chiefs were up like tw- 17 points and lost. In fact, yes, this was Patrick Mahomes' first win against the Chiefs or against Joe Burrow. However, every single game, Joe Burrow was – or the, the Chiefs were up going into the fourth. Again, you're talking to you're ta- we're talking about a Kansas City Chiefs team that has hosted the AFC Championship, not just a game, the AFC Championship for five straight years. So that means they know what they're doing. Shouts out to Andy Reid. Shouts out to Travis Kelsey. Again, the Patrick Mahomes was was incredible, but to me, the the player of the game was Chris Jones. And. The Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, and I, and I will say this because you're going to ask, why Chris Jones? Why Chris Jones? One of the biggest question marks going into the game was, how is, are the Cincinnati Bengals going to capitalize on the secondary of the Kansas City Chiefs? Even with Snead, they their secondary has been their weak point this entire year. And while yes, you look at 326 yards, one two touchdowns, no interceptions like yes, the 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 pressure that Chris Jones continuously put on Joe Burrow was felt. To the point where Joe Burrow would have to slide and then you have Frank Clark coming out of nowhere and actually the pressure that Chris Jones and Frank Clark put on Joe Burrow was one of the biggest reasons why he intercepted the why they were able to get interception two interceptions. I think Joe, we've seen Joe Burrow good enough to go toe to toe, which he, I mean it was twenty to twenty three, go toe to toe with anybody. But the one thing that the Kansas City Chiefs did well that the Buffalo Bills did not was create pressure on Joe Burrow. We understand. We also know that two or three of Cincinnati Bengals starting centers or starting linemen were not playing. And Chris Jones was able to capitalize on that. Again. Patrick Mahomes was great. He was able to play on one leg, pretty much, and you saw it too. And I and I I was at, <laughs> I was watching this with a couple people, and I kept saying, "Yo, they have to extend the lead. They have to extend the lead going into the fourth, because I thought now apparently what they're saying is Patrick Mahomes was not shot up. I thought Patrick Mahomes was shot up, and." I'm not an expert on, you know, <laughs> painkillers or, or pain shots, whatever. But one thing that I do know, one thing that I've heard constantly from basketball players, from football players is you shoot, you get shot up before the game. 
by the fourth quarter, you feel everything. Like, that shot is not there anymore because you still have to go through halftime and everything. So, the f- and you, for, for some reason, you can't shoot it up twice. Because I was thinking, why don't you shoot it up before the game and halftime? No, you have to shoot it up once for some reason. Maybe it's a health thing. But I kept saying, yo, extend the lead. You have to extend the lead because you don't want. And you even saw in the fourth quarter that limp that Patrick Mahomes had was was more prevalent than ever. Because the adrenaline, everything was starting to weigh down. Like, okay, I'm feeling this. So Patrick Mahomes was great, man. Patrick Mahomes was great. Chris Jones was great. The Kansas City Chiefs were great. And also, it wasn't the refs that cost Cincinnati Bengals this game. What it was is when you're playing someone supremely talented, when you're playing a team as supremely talented as the Kansas City Chiefs, slight errors turn or slight errors get magnified to levels you that, that we can't like slight errors, man. The fact of, you know, holding calls. I don't know how many times it was a big stop and then Cincinnati Bengals had a holding call. Or the two the two interceptions from Joe Burrow. Or Tyler Boyd going out. Or, of course, the last second uh, roughing the passer. You see, when you're playing a team that's okay, you can overcome those mistakes because those mistakes aren't as big in the grand scheme of things because you're not playing a team that is supremely talented. If you were playing just for this year or something, if you were playing like the Houston Texans, and it wasn't the AFC Championship, You, the Cincinnati Bengals can still get away and probably would have won with all those mistakes. But when you're playing a team as supremely talented as the Kansas City Chiefs and they're not, they're not hurting themselves, those little errors get magnified to the point where one thing, an offside, for instance, you remember a couple years ago, I think it was the it was the AFC Championship. Tom Brady was there. Um and Tom Brady was playing on the Patriots. And D Ford, the Cincinnati Bengals played an incredible game and was about to win. But D Ford lined up offsides. And because D Ford lined up offsides, they lost. I think that play Pat uh what's his name? Tom Brady threw an interception, but D4 lining up off sides negated that. Little things. So I'm not going to blame it on just, you know, homie that, was it Ose, that pushed Patrick Mahomes. That was big, yes. And I think that was the seal, that sealed the game. But I don't think that's the reason why they lost. The reason why they lost is the little mistakes blew up into or little mistakes got magnified to big mistakes because almost every mistake Kansas City Chiefs had an answer. And to go back to the 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 NBA finals analogy when you have Jason Tatum turning the ball over as much as he did and Golden State capitalizing every single time. Again, if you were playing the Pistons, if you were playing the Cavaliers, if you're playing the Wizards, those those mis- those turnovers don't hurt as much as they would playing the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. So shouts out to uh, shouts out to the Kansas City Chiefs for making it back to the Super Bowl. I will say this though, shouts out to my social media manager. Um, she put a poll out, and I've been thinking about this poll for a minute now. She put a poll, like in there, and I think uh, Shannon Sharp asked uh, Chad Ochocinco or Chad Johnson this question: Who would you want in your prime? If you're a an incredible 
wide receiver, who would you want in your prime? Would you want, and you can play like one season with them in their prime or 10 seasons. You have Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, Peyton Manning. Shouts out to social media. Shouts out to Shannon Sharp for asking that question on what Club Shay Shay, which is an incredible platform. Um, and I've been wrestling with three people, and and there's no. I've been wrestling actually. Let me. I'm wrestling with that question, and I'm going to answer that here on 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 this thing. Uh. To answer that question, you have to under or to answer that this this is my thinking. What is important to you? You see, because you can't go wrong. I mean, Peyton Manning will go down as arguably one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks of all time. All of these quarterbacks, Mahomes, uh, Brady, Rodgers, Manning, all will go down as arguably some of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. Of course, Tom Brady being the GOAT, pretty much. But, and we'll talk about this a little later in basketball, about the era that we're in. People forget. I understand that a lot of people don't like Aaron Rodgers. Maybe personality-wise, I get it. But people forget how good Aaron Rodgers was. Or, or he still is. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just won back-to-back MVPs. His fourth, by the way. Patrick Mahomes is incredible. Peyton Manning is incredible. All these people have Super Bowls. Tom Brady is the GOAT. And I put Aaron Rodgers in my poll, but I'm starting to kind of lean towards Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is better than anyone in their prime. I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes will go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. What I'm saying is I think Patrick Mahomes has an innate ability to make I mean just look at the look at the AFC Championship. Patrick Mahomes and Valde, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has struggled to connect this entire year. The entire season to the point where a lot of people are saying, you see, that's exactly why the the <laughs> that's exactly why the Green Bay Packers let that man go. Valdez Scanling had the game of his life. So I'm gonna go Patrick Mahomes. I'm gonna go Patrick Mahomes. So shouts out to uh the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the AFC Championship and advance to the Super Bowl. And also, shouts out to Cincinnati. I was drastically wrong about Cincinnati this year. I was. I even put a video out saying I think Cincinnati probably won't even make the playoffs. Um, I am now am saying I, I think it's going to get interesting this next few years when you know it's time to pay Joe Burrow when it's time to pay Jamar Chase when it's time to pay T Higgins I think it's going to be interesting who stays who goes if all of them stay it's going to get very expensive but and we know kind of Cincinnati for being on the cheaper side of a of a franchise but uh you the Cincinnati Bengals are supremely talented and if they just continue to stay healthy and get their offensive line right, they will be there for, for years and years to come. Again, I know I put a uh, – I, I said that the next great quarterback battle was Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I was wrong about that. I think it's now going to be Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. And that doesn't take away from how great Josh Allen is. It doesn't take away from how great quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson or – or we'll talk about Jalen Hurts in a second, or or Justin Fields. No, just yeah, Justin Fields, or how good uh, just Justin Herbert is. But I think the next great, like the the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, or you know some of the greatest quarterback battles we've ever seen. I think the next one will be Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. 
So shouts out to the Kansas City Chiefs. Shouts out to the Cincinnati Bengals. So let's move forward. Um, I, this is going to sound like hate when I talk about the NFC Championship, and trust me, it's not. It's it's not it's not lost on me that the Eagles have looked like the best team this entire year. Top to bottom, they have looked like the best team all year. And it's 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 not it's it's fitting that they, the Philadelphia Eagles, are now representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I also understand that they won. They won the NFC Championship. So winning negates a lot of things. You know, winning, you're able to quiet a lot of things down because you won. It's like, what what are you going to tell me? We won. But winning kind of clouds the journey of the game to get to that win. You see, you look at 30, 31 to 7. And when I say it's going to sound like hate, here it is. You see 31 to 7, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Let me also start by saying, if Brock Purdy played the entire game, I still think the Philadelphia Eagles would have won. If Brock Purdy never got hurt, where he, he tore his UCL, if he never got hurt, I still think the Philadelphia Eagles would have won. Do I think they would have won or they would have lost 31 to 7? No. But I do think that they would have it would look different. I mean, Josh Johnson had to play. He got hurt. Then Christian McCaffrey had to play quarterback. Now, people are going to say, "Well, Jay, they were going against the 49ers defense. The 49ers defense looked incredible. What happened to the 49ers defense all year? Bro, the 49ers defense had to play like 80% of the game. There, there was this constant three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. And I don't care how great of a defense you are. You're going to get tired. And as you saw the beginning of the game, they were explosive. Joe, Joe, uh, Nick Bosa running around everywhere. Fred Warner running around everywhere. Ward stopped like they were explosive. But when you keep having to go in and keep having to go in and three and outs, it weighs you down. Now, let me let me also let me also give credit where credit is due. The things that I said last episode were the where the Eagles' strength was their strengths. They ran the ball like crazy, and they their schemes that, that Nick Sirianni drew up was incredible. They were able to run the ball. Their offensive line is the best offensive line in football. They have two bona fide Hall of Famers on the offensive line with Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. <laughs> the defense Hassan Reddick was incredible Hassan Reddick was probably the MVP for no I'm gonna yeah was probably the MVP for the Eagles on, on in the AFC or the NFC championship Fletcher Cox was big the it the Eagles have been the best team all around this entire year and they they played like it but this is why I said it's going to sound like hate I'm going to wait until you know what was it the 11th I think uh, that that Saturday before to give my predictions but um, Jalen Hurst did not look good at all as far as throwing the ball I don't know if he's injured still I don't know what it is but he does not he did not look good throwing the ball at all the Eagles won because, A, 
the 49ers got tired and they just they just executed to perfection the run game and the run pass option. And when he had to throw the ball, he had to. I mean, I think if that Devontae Smith uh, catch was reviewed and deemed that it wasn't a catch, I think things could have looked differently because momentum was just there. But and and again, the Philadelphia Eagles were the best team, and even if Brock Purdy played the entire game, I think they would have still lost the 49ers. So I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't. This game wasn't wasn't much to talk about, man. The Eagles did what the Eagles were supposed to do. And I'm not saying no, and that's no offense to the forty or the the San Francisco 49ers. But again, when you're playing, when the defense is out there eighty percent of the time, it's like eighty percent of the entire game. That's crazy. But the Eagles, man, the Eagles, the Eagles. <laughs> when you have Hall, like, and now, let me let me talk about Jalen Hurts for a second. Even though he did look bad. First of all, shouts out to both Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes for being the first two African-American quarterbacks to face off in the Super Bowl. Shouts out to them, man. You don't, I mean, now, no, they're not the first black quarterbacks, but they're the first time two black quarterbacks have faced off. Shouts out. And and in February, (sighs) Chef's kiss. (laughs) But I will say this about Jalen Hurts. I was one of those doubters. The one, the the, the doubters that are are getting destroyed on social media right now. I was one of those doubters. You see, things have happened that has shaped my opinion. Of Jalen Hurts. Now, what people don't allow on social media, I realize, is they don't allow people to change their opinion and change their mind. I've changed my opinion on Jalen Hurts, but there have been things that have helped me grow my opinion at first. And I'll say this. I remember Jalen Hurts getting benched in the national championship for Tua. I remember Jalen Hurts losing his job the next year to Tua, so he transferred to Oklahoma. I remember Jalen Hurts being incredible at Oklahoma, but not finishing, like losing. I remember Jalen Hurts coming into the league and not really being able to throw the ball consistently. I remember Jalen Hurts making it to the playoffs and The Tampa Bay Buccaneers said, yo, we are going to make Jalen Hurts throw the ball on us. And the the Eagles looked horrible. I remember that, Jalen Hurts. Now, I will say, I have changed my opinion. Jalen Hurts is, is an incredible quarterback. And he has improved. I will say that. He has improved. Because... I mean, look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen has improved. And I do think that it's something to be said when you pair pair him uh, with, with a great coach and Nick Sirianni, which is another person I was wrong about, and with a top wide receiver. He has two of them. Devontae Smith would be a top wide receiver on a lot of people's teams. A.J. Brown is a top wide receiver. Now, yes, that doesn't negate the fact that I think he looked bad against the 49ers, especially passing the ball. Now, if we talk about his running ability, of course. I mean, look, he only, the entire game, he ran, he pat 15 for 25 for 121 yards passing. Now, rushing. 11 rushes, 11 carries for 39 yards. Miles Sanders had. Uh, 11 carries for 42 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, 14 carries for 48 yards. Boston Scott, 6 carries for 21 yards. Should Gardner Mitchell got in the game? Oh, he did. Look at that. Jalen Hurts had one rushing touchdown. He did not have a passing touchdown. 
but they win. They win. <laughs> but they won. So shouts out to the Philadelphia Eagles for making it to the the you know, make it to the Super Bowl. Last time they were in the Super Bowl was 2017, and we know how that turned out. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm gonna hold off my opinion. And the 49ers are in a in a a good position. You have some good you have some decisions to make about the quarterback position. But there you're hearing a lot of rumblings that's you know there's this guy that's in Tampa Bay that might decide to come to the 49ers. At that point. I don't care who Trey Lance is. I don't care who Brock Purdy is. I don't care who Jimmy G. Jimmy G's gone. I know. I know. They've been trying to get rid of Jimmy G for a second. I'm not saying Jimmy G sucks, but they've been trying to get rid of Jimmy G for a good little minute. He gone. It's just what he do now with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. But those are good questions to have, especially when you have a great coach like Kyle Shanahan. Oh. And we'll talk about D'Amico Ryan in a second, but D'Amico Ryan will not be there. So, uh, shouts out to the Cincinnati Bengals. No, shouts out to uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Shouts out to the Philadelphia Eagles for making it to Super Bowl 57. Let's move forward. So, it looks like um, it is their fin- the Saints and Broncos are finalizing a deal to bring Sean Payton to the the Broncos to be their head coach. Uh trust me, I did not know that you had you could trade for coaches. <laughs> I was very much unaware of that until this whole process. Cuz I don't think you're able to trade for coaches like that in the NBA, but I could also be wrong. Um when you <sighs> When you're going to another organization or new organization, there's some things that have to be mainstays for you. And there's some things that have that attract you when you're good, when when you're good and you come from a good organization, a good situation. If don't I mean, yeah, the the Saints are in cap hell, but the Saints have have been successful for a minute now. So, well, actually, since Sean Payton was there, Andrew Brees. Because I remember they were called the Aints for a good minute. But Sean, we know how good Sean Payton is as a coach. So when you're that good and you left on your own terms, I mean, remember, he retired. There are things that you need. And when you're successful, you know how to succeed. Why do you think a player like LeBron James never wants to go to Minnesota? Or why do you think a player like Kevin Durant never wants to go to Detroit? You know what it takes to win when you're a great player. You know what it takes to win when you're a great coach. You see, Russell Wilson right now is like that kid in school that you don't want to touch. Russell Wilson, people say that he's trash at this point, washed up, terrible. And I under look, he had a bad season. So you ask yourself, what drew Pat, Sean Payton to the Broncos? And it, it's, it's easy control. When you're getting someone as high profile as Sean Payton, and I don't mean high profile as like uh, a diva, I mean high profile as you know, if he's on your team, you're getting wins. You want to give him control because he understands what he's doing. Like, yo, let me do what I got to do. I know how to win. I think Sean Payton is the perfect person for not only the Broncos, but for Russell Wilson. And I think it's going to have to take some soul searching from Russell Wilson. You see, years like what Russell Wilson just went through. Is either going to do one or two things. Is it going to make you change or make you stay the same? And if you stay the same, I promise you, you will not be a Bronco by next year. They, you were, Russell Wilson was so bad this year that if he repeats it, they don't care how much dead cat money they have to swallow. They're, he's gone. You see, the problem, see, now that I'm, I, 
you hear a lot of stories about Russell Wilson uh, with his days in, in, in Seattle. But what's something that was drastically different from Seattle and Denver last year? They were winning. So you can allow that to happen because you're, you're winning and you were great. Now that you're losing, especially when there's high expectations, and you have a good team around you. Yes, it was a lot of injuries on the offensive side, but you have a good team around you. All that, all those special treatments is like, why are you getting special treatment? We're we're four and eleven, we're four and sixteen, or we're four and what fourteen? You see, I think Sean Payton is the perfect person to. Write the write the shit for Russell Wilson because you need someone you need a, 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 you need someone that you have to trust can do what he has to do. And I think Sean Payton is the perfect person for it. I think Sean Payton will be great. So, you know, shouts out to the Broncos for getting the big fish, which was Sean Payton. Also, and let's move forward from this. D'Amico Ryan accepts a six-year offer or a six-year job for the Houston Texans. Now, you know how I feel about the Houston Texans and their treatment of African-American coaches. One thing that I did like uh, was he has six years. I did like that. And I also like the fact that D'Amico Ryan's got the job. You know, I don't like that it was the Houston Texans, but he got the job. You know, it's hard for African-Americans to get a head coaching job. Uh, we're still waiting for Eric Bieniemy to get a job. We're still waiting for, you know, a, a bunch, a myriad of people. Hell, Brian Flores to get a job again as a, as a head coach. So I'm just, I'm happy for D'Amico Ryan, man. But I'm just, I'm still, I'm cautiously happy. I'm cautiously anticipating his, because, one thing that I don't like that African-American, you know what I don't like? It was a Vic Vangio. He got, I think he's the highest paid, like he gets fired. Then he just hops over and I think he's the highest paid assistant now and he's with the Dolphins. Or Kellen Moore we'll talk about in a second. Parts ways with the, no, he got fired from the Cowboys and now he's where is he at he's with the Chargers I don't like the fact of even even in the even in the 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 offensive head coach or the assistant head coach or assistant coaches how you're able to lose your job and you deserve to lose your job but you just bounce right back and get another one hell Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive co offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator for the Jets. Nathaniel Hackett. You remember what Nathaniel Hackett looked like last time we saw him? I'm going, that's that's another argument for another day. Congratulations to D'Amico Ryans. Again, I don't like that as the Texans, but he did play for the Texans. So that is, there is some, uh, uh, I guess, sweat equity there. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think it's well-deserved. You know, I just, again, I hope that the Houston Texans are patient. And I'm not saying patient with him because I think he's going to be great day one. But this is not a, a, a championship. This isn't a playoff roster right now. Hell, I don't even think this is a nine win team yet. So let them, which is why I do like that they gave him six years. Let him do what he has to do and get out of his way. Shouts out to D'Amico Ryan. Now. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. You know what new can do? You know what a new environment, a new space, a new anything can do? It can highlight areas that may not have been able to be highlighted in on the old. You see, I think that Kellen Moore upgraded. From Pat, Dak Prescott to Justin Herbert. 
But one thing that we've said about the Cowboys offense is that it's not creative, that it's stale, that it, it continues to decrease towards the end of the season. And with new, i.e., with Justin Herbert, you're going to see, was that mainly Kellen Moore or was that Dak Prescott? Because now you have, look at the weapons that you have. You have Justin Herbert. You have Austin Eckler. You have Mike Williams. You have Keenan Allen. If you can't do something with that or your offense looks stale with that, then we know that it's Kellen Moore. I think it's Kellen Moore. I think it's the I I think it's Kellen. But hey, shouts out to him for getting a job after look the mm. Damn, it, I keep going back to the last statement. I don't want to argue about this, but how the hell how the fuck how the hell can Kellen Moore get a job? And, and and don't get me wrong. I think that he did not deserve to be fired. That's a lie. I th- he wasn't good. But how the hell does Kellen Moore get fired and like the next day gets a job as the head as the offensive coordinator for the Chargers? Yet Brian Leftwich, who won a Super Bowl, is still jobless. Vic Vangio got a job before Super Bowl winning, recently Super Bowl winning Brian Leftwich. And quiet as is kept, I think it was more Kellen Moore offense than Dak Prescott just being bad. And it was more Tom Brady being terrible than it was Brian Leftwich. Because this is the, the same cause that won them a Super Bowl Tom Brady could not do this year. And got Brian Leftwich fired. Yet and still, he didn't have a job. Brian Flores was an exceptional head coach. And he, I know he sued the league or whatever, but he still can't get a head coaching job. Eric Bieniemy. I just talked about the Kansas City Chiefs going to their fifth straight AFC championship, and he cannot get a head coaching job. I hope Kellen Moore is very successful. But what's unfortunate is even if he's not, he's going to get another opportunity because... We know how that goes. Let's move forward. Perception matters. One thing that a league cares a lot about is their perception. It goes back to the NFL when Calvin Ridley. There's people. The NFL comes down harder on gambling than it does domestic violence. Because of perception. The perception is if if someone's gambling, they're cheating. Or not cheating. Yeah, they're cheating. They're 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 cheating the game for financial gain. So that that hurts the integrity of the sport. Why do you think that they got rid of the um temporary refs for the NFL quickly? Because we know what happened with the Seahawks and Green Bay. And that was a horrible look. And now the integrity of the game is being questioned. To the back to the NBA, uh, back to the NBA. Homie, the the ref that uh, Tim Donaghy, I think his name. The ref that was that was admitted to to cheating was a. That's why he's banned for life because the integrity of the game. The NBA has a ref problem right now. And it's hurting the integrity of the game. Now, yes, I saw the play with LeBron James and and against the Celtics, and I do think that play cost them the game. And I also think, yes, LeBron James may have went a tad bit overboard with his uh, disdain for the no call. But this is multiple times now. Multiple games, multiple situations that the refs have clearly got it wrong. 
I mean, we've seen Golden State. Some, you know, they, they've been affected. No calls. We've seen the Lakers, clearly. We've seen uh, Damian Lillard get no calls. And clearly fouled. The league has a problem right now. And do I think it's going to get rectified? Yes. And I don't think it's just a, a general problem. But when you look at, when you think about the refs, they have been costing games. And you do not want to look at the league and think to themselves, you don't want the integrity of the league to be sh- to to continue to go down or not continue to go down because the refs. And that's what's happening. Now you're having people question everything about the refs because, oh, you see when the ref missed this call, missed this call. So they're not focused on the game. They're focused on the mistakes that the refs are doing. And that's that press release at the refs and the NBA was sleepless nights getting it wrong. Well, get it right, bro. If you're paid, if I'm paid to do a job, like if I'm paid to be to be a cross guard, a crosswalk guard, and a kid gets hit by a car, do you think that I've had sleepless nights because you think they want to hear me say, hey, I had sleepless nights because, you know, I, I didn't I didn't pay attention to the road like, no. Do your job, bro. The NBA, the NBA needs to 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 really seriously. I'm not saying fire all the rest. I'm saying really seriously take you know take this ref thing seriously because the last thing you want, which any league, no league wants the integrity of the league to be tarnished, especially when you can do something about it. And the NBA can do something about it. So. Moving forward, we talk about eras a lot, and each era is defined by something. Each era is defined by the play of something. Of course, you know the Jordan era, that was more of the right, you know, more of the fouls, no layups, the bad boy pistons, you know. You had the 2000s. That was more of mid-range and the big man. When you had Shaq and you had, you know, Dwight Howard and stuff like that. This is the this this is the scoring era. I mean, think about it. Just this year, there have been 19 50-point games. 19. I can bet you can go back to to a, a one season of Jordan, and I don't think there was 19. If there was 19, Jordan probably had 17 of them. This is the scoring era. You're seeing people. And I, look, there's no we've never seen someone like Luca. I'm not saying he's the greatest, but we've never seen someone like Luca. We've never seen someone like Giannis. We've never seen someone like Steph. Hell, we've never seen someone like Damian Lillard. We've never seen someone like KD. We've never seen someone like Kyrie. We've never seen someone like LeBron James. We've never seen someone like Anthony Davis. We've never seen someone like Nicole Jokic. We've never seen someone like Joel Embiid. We've never seen someone like James Harden. This is the scoring era. And... People that are shocked. Like, you're shocked that Devin Booker put up 50? Devin Booker? Jason Tatum? Donovan Mitchell put up 71? This is this is the league. And I'm not just, yeah, defenses aren't the same. Defenses are a little weaker. But you also have, I don't care how weak the defense is. You have to be a supreme talent. To be in to to score to drop fifty, you know how you know how tough it is to score fifty points. I wouldn't know because I've never scored fifty points in any. I've never scored fifty points in my life in a game. Not a pickup, not a 
not a college game, not a not a high school game, not a not an intramurals game, nothing. So I wouldn't know. But this is the scoring generation. And it shows. And that's just the way of the league. Man, hell, Clay Thompson dropped 50 this year. That's the way of the league, man. That's the, that's the way of the league. Hell, Sadiq Bay has a 50-pointer. And I'm, no offense to him, Sadiq Bay has a 50-pointer. A 50-point game. Not this year, I think last year. This is this, and even this is not 50, man. You know how many 40 pointers, 40 point games? I mean, Anthony Edwards, Jordan Poole. Hell, uh, James Wiseman is, had a 30, pill, 30 ball. Come on, man. This is, the, this is the scoring error, and it shows. It shows. So. Uh, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold. No, I'm talking about it. <sighs> Kyrie Irving has played really well this year. And I kind of expected him to play well. I did not. I, I'll say this. <laughs> I was wrong. I thought that he would probably, he wouldn't make it to, uh, I thought he'd be traded by trade deadline. I, I thought K- KD probably be traded by trade deadline. Because just how loud their offseason was. But Kyrie has played great this year. Kyrie has played like the Kyrie we know him to be. So the question is, what happens now? Do, does Brooklyn resign him? Does he stay with Brooklyn? Like, I think a lot. Yes, Kyrie can be difficult. Yes, anybody can be difficult. Have you ever been in a relationship? <laughs> it's difficult. But through all the noise, what is that person? And what Ky- I mean, Kyrie can say the Earth is flat. Kyrie can uh, have his opinions about uh, the vaccine. Have his opinions of is his opinions. But Kyrie is still an exceptional basketball player, and he still is one of the greatest, if not the greatest handler of the basketball we have ever seen I think Kyrie Irving has played himself into another contract with Brooklyn but it also goes back to I I still don't think, even with him playing as good as he is and Katie, I just don't think there's enough around him. Even though, shouts out to Nick Nick Claxton, he's played a lot better than I thought. And shouts out to the role players, you know, Seth Curry and and Joe Hayden, or Joe Harris. Why did I say Joe Hayden? Joe Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, they've played great. I just don't think when you go up against some of the best teams, like they have enough to win a championship. I do think that... You know, seeing how good Kyrie's played and KD and and seeing, you know, before KD went down, how good they were. I think that they're good enough to make an NBA Finals. But I think it's going to be tough. But I am interested to see where Kyrie go, what happens to Kyrie at the end of this year. Because he's been playing, he's been hooping. He's just been balling. So... Oh, and shouts out to uh, the Australian Open. Before we go, uh, shouts out to was it Arena Sablanka? I know I messed your name up, my G. Shouts out to you. I mean, <laughs> you won the U.S. Open. You Sub Sabalinka Sabalinka. I know I messed your name up, but shouts out to you. And of course, shouts out to Novak Djokovic for winning yet another Australian Open. You guys are great. Shouts out to you guys. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. So get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. You will not regret it. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. It definitely means a lot to me. And until next time, much love.